Welcome to WP Tonic Roundtable Podcast, where a panel of leading WordPress junkies discusses the latest WordPress and internet stories of the week. Now, on with the show with your moderator, Jonathan Denwood. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. This is episode 456, recording this on Friday, the 20th of December at 8.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, and you can join us normally every Friday at around 8.30 Pacific Standard Time, and you can watch the show live on the WP Tonic Facebook page. We've got a a good crowd. It's going to be our last show for 2019. I think we've had some good, great shows. I'm going to let the panel introduce themselves, starting off with Uncle Spencer. Spencer, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the new listeners and viewers? Yes, Spencer Farman. I'm the president of the West Bay Meetup Group. <laughs> I'm just here at one of our conferences for the holidays, enjoying the weather. And I hope some of you will join me, uh, as you can see. You're dreaming of being in uh, San Francisco, aren't you? But he's actually based in... Um, from what I've heard lately, I'm not dreaming about it as much as I used to dream no. about it. Uh, yeah, there, there, there's um, good reasons not to be in San Francisco. <laughs> right. I'll bring my boots if I come, if I want to go to the... the uh, your your shovel and, and uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, we've got my good friend, John Locke. John, would you like to quickly introduce yourself? <coughs> sure. Sure thing. John Locke, I do SEO for manufacturing and industrial companies and um got Vito a friend of the show and sponsor Vito would you cl- like to quickly introduce yourself to this as a <laughs> yeah, very quickly uh, so I'm Vito I'm the founder of WP Feedback which is a communication tool for WordPress professionals that's great and I've got my great co-host on my first day show um Adrian Adrian would you like to quickly introduce yourself Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Adrian. I'm the CEO and founder of Groundhog. We build and maintain sales and marketing automation plugins for WordPress. And I've got my friend Sally. Sally, would you like to introduce yourself? Certainly. I'm Sally Getch, the WP Fangirl organizer of the East Bay WordPress meetup in Oakland, California. And before we go into our first story, I just want to mention about our great sponsor, which is which is um, WP Feedback. Um, what can I say about WP Feedback? I've been looking at it quite a bit that so I'm going to be introducing it into my own client handling flow. It enables your clients that difficult thing of getting sign off and also dealing with um, changes that are required through a project. You know, we've all had that back and forth of emails, text messaging, um, asking four times the obvious question, what do you precisely need to be changed? It's a nightmare. But we have the solution, and that is WP Feedback. It's a superb product. And they've been so kind to offer um, the tribe at WP Tonic a fantastic discount coupon code if you use WP Tonic Rocks. That's WP WP Tonic Rocks, you can get 25% of any of the packages that they offer. And I suggest you go over to their website. They will be in the show notes and everywhere else you can view or listen to this podcast. And I suggest you go and buy one of their packages. It's fantastic. Now, on to um, the first story. Bluehost launches premium WordPress themes marketplace to customers. What did you think of this one, John? 
No, he's frozen. I only, I only have to mention the magic word, and it just freezes. Um, Uncle, <laughs> Uncle Spencer. Yeah, so, oh no, he's come back. <laughs> Are you there, John? Oh, anyway, yeah, I'm here. All right, go on. But anyway, um, Mojo and Bluehost are both owned by EIG. So the the that monolithic company that owns most of the low end hosts, they all own. Um, they also own like Mojo Marketplace. So I mean, this is really not that surprising. I mean, I guess it's it's. They have a lot of penetration in as far as like you'll see Mojo Marketplace in a lot of C panels. So it looks like if you are non-exclusive with them that you'll earn a flat 50%. But if you go exclusive with Mojo, then you'll earn somewhere between 50 and 70%. So yay. I mean, good deal, I guess, if you're a theme author, but themes are really gonna go away in the next couple of years for the most part. Now, um, Uncle Spencer, I was listening to the Matt Report's last podcast, and he, it was yeah. um, it was fantastic. And he was saying, why doesn't um, WordPress.org, you know, set up something similar, you know, that they could make a load of money which they could invest in the community? I've always wondered why. What did he say? Yeah, well, <laughs> well, did, you, did you listen to the last Matt Report? I listened to Matt, but I didn't catch that one. No, he was saying, you know, he could never understand why they never did a marketplace for premier themes. And well, just... they do it on WordPress.com. Maybe they find that sufficient. No. I mean, I, I, I'll jump on John's bandwagon because <laughs> when I read this, you know, like when you're a kid, they had Mad Libs where you could have a piece of paper had a story and you say, give me a noun, give me a verb. You'd write it in. This is for us older people. That, you know, it would be fun. Then you read the story with like the silly suggestions. This is like a Mad Libs article. Let's replace Bluehost Themes Mojo with Flash, Adobe, you know, uh, I don't know, like uh, some ad banner service of the, you know, early 2000s. I personally can look at my watch that I don't wear because it's 2019 and see how many seconds are left in the themes being a thing anymore because I haven't used the theme other than Astra in oh low so many years, Luke, because the way we do it now, in my opinion, is the theme is a magnetic whiteboard. The page builder is what gives you all your structure and style. Then you have a, the, the data management layer like ACF Pro, and then you've got the output into whatever the page builder puts on it. I can't imagine with the exception of social networking, which uh, Michael Eisen has that nice buddy boss uh, set of things with very specific need. Other than that, I can't imagine why anybody would go to a pre-made theme unless you just like literally needed to spit out a real estate website or something. So to me, this is all about to go away anyway. So I'm surprised surprised Justin Tadlock who's got his cub reporter hat on for WP Tavern. And by the way, I love Justin. I love him. This yeah, is okay. I'm surprised this is the level that he's going. I was hoping Justin was going to deep dive into some controversial stuff or coding, but like this is an infomercial for something that shouldn't even be here. Well, I've got to be honest. I didn't want to say this because um, ask Justin to come on the show and he might do. Um, hopefully he will still after what I'm about to say. But also, um, Matt, um, Adaya said something similar on his last podcast is that um, 
I've just been a bit disappointed in the tavern lately, you know, in the new redesign of the website, which I personally think is a bit of a mess. And where they're taking it, you know, you know, it, it did have a, you know, have a certain branding and a certain look, which was a bit old-fashioned and did need modernising. But I, I really don't know where they're going with the tavern at the present moment. Um, well, they probably do you- don't either. They have to kind of figure out who they are and and uh, and, and and what their take will be. Uh, you know, in the th- age of where if you say the wrong thing about the wrong person at the wrong time mm-hmm. and you make an incredibly controversial remark can be the end of you personally, professionally. Uh, and I don't blame anybody for wanting to be cautious in the terminology and the opinions that they place online for fear of retribution. Uh, so even I, I, reckon if- that, I reckon they should make me the editor of the tavern, don't you? <laughs> right. Well, it's. I mean, retributions did seem to be the name of the game in the comments on uh, uh, on the tavern. Uh, always that that people would really uh, dump a lot of uh, hostility in there that seemed um, excessive, uh, even if they had strong feelings. No, just veto. What do you reckon? Do you reckon the days of the theme are numbered, and this is a dreary story that shouldn't have right. been shouldn't have been on on the tavern in the first place? Well, I don't know whether what? it's it's newsworthy, but they've got uh, uh, you know, it's like yeah, well, that seems like a typical thing for an EIG company to do. I think that it's. Now. I think it's a point of, uh, it is a new story, you know, because Bluehost is a massive company yeah. and Mojo Marketplace is a massive uh, a marketplace in our niche. So, so it's natural to me that it would be on there. Uh, it's actually something that I've recognized as a trend uh, over the past uh, year or so with a lot of hosting companies that they're trying to make their solution more sticky and expand over their, um, expand over their, their, uh, revenue sources, you know, through different channels and different kind of like uh, partnerships and stuff like that. So this seems like a natural fit to, to me to bring this in-house. Everyone basically is trying to create that environment that people uh, open when they open their computer, you know, so that they hang out in there. Uh, and by giving this kind of stuff, it makes sense. In terms of the themes, uh, I think that I agree with Spencer that uh, it's a it's it's going to go away soon. Well, no, that's not true. It's not going to go away. For us as professionals, it's already gone. For us as professionals, we are already, we each have our own kind of like a theme. There's probably like five to 10 of them that uh, we are all using. Uh, but then all of the other ones, and we can't forget that the majority of WordPress users are just small business owners that need, uh, like you said, that real estate company that needs a real estate website. And uh, they task with the, the admin manager of the office to get a website up and running, you know? So she right. finds And we want it super cheap. So it needs to exactly. already have everything in it. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I, right. I just saw a case True, of this yeah. already. It's like, yes, all right, client is a, you know, company that does limo rentals. We want a... Yeah. Like a limo rental theme with all the things thrown into it. And why not? Like, well, it you'll probably find it somewhere on Theme Forest. You'll yeah. get what you deserve. Right. But, um, <clears throat> you know, it, it's probably there and there will be some use for that. But in terms of like for a business owner to look at it as a super lucrative opportunity, <laughs> yeah, not so much, I don't think. $39 for our corporation, our seven-figure corporation. Don't spend more than $39 and then spend the every waking budget. moment of the next two years figuring out how to undo this custom-made theme to do what we really wanted to do right. until you have to hire somebody to start all over. 
That yeah. is the, the roller coaster ride. By the way, I want to make a comment, and I'm going to go on a limb because I am unafraid because I'm a Gen Xer. I've read recently that the difference between Gen Xers and millennials and baby boomers is baby boomers ruined our world. Millennials and them are the same, but complaining to each other. And Gen Xers just sit here and take risks and fix everything. So I'm going on a limb by saying (laughs) Justin Tadlock was always my superhero good guy equivalent to the bad guy Otto. So for everything bad I ever say and said about Otto, I want to say that Justin Tadlock always came, for the last 12 or so years, always came into every argument with the facts, the courage, the the, no bullshit. So I'm his big super fan, and he's my superhero. So I'm just saying, Justin, if you listen to this, come back into the tavern and start talking about real stuff like you always used to, because you're the voice of reason. Yeah, I've just, I've just been a bit shocked because that—that's my own views. But it's a news website. What is the? <clears throat> what's what's the fault here? I'm saying, don't put this fluff stuff. This is like, right. what's the? This is a waste of digital space. <laughs> I mean, there's so many things to talk about that are political or even like back like he used to, even technical in nature. This is like an ad. I mean, just put a banner up and call it a day. We we get money from whoever we're talking about. Fine. All right. Whatever. Yeah. On to the next story. Google fires another worker for exercising her rights and protecting co-workers from illegal company retaliation. What did you like about this one, Sally? Well, I, I figured, you know, we needed a little uh, a, a little of the stir of the controversy and, the, you know, what's up in the uh, <clears throat> tech world. And what the article says is that, you know, Google has been been bringing in some anti-union folks and uh, this person writes like, you know, little notifications internally or this is this is what she did. So, uh, you know, what she did was add a, a little notification um, on the, uh, you know, anti-union website basically saying, you know, you have the legal right uh, to organize. Um, and uh, this was an unpopular move. Uh, <clears throat> So, you know, not having participated, I cannot be sure whether there is uh, more in the story uh, <clears throat> or anything uh, uh, like that. But um, it does seem like another, uh, uh, you know, an, another indication that Google, Google is entirely willing to uh, <clears throat> alienate its uh, em- employees. You know, what do you reckon? Let's go for Spencer again. What do you reckon, Spencer? I mean, this is like the robber barons of days of old, right? I mean, you have a company that was one of the big four of most wealthy companies in the world. Like, is is this surprising? The only thing I could say that was interesting that this seems to tie into is the issue that's really a debate is that controversial California law that distinguishes between an independent contractor and an employee. That's what I think underlies all of this in addition to security stuff because, like, that is... I'm in favor of lots of stuff that are very liberal minded, but like that whole law they just made seems to, it's going to have the opposite effect because it's going to screw over the workers as much as it's going to screw over the corporations. And so what's happening is everybody's taking their sides, but guess what? If you're a trillion dollar company, you don't care. You just won't hire people or you'll treat them like slaves. And that's like not good for the Uber drivers and the independent contractors. So at the end of the day, I think that's what I see in this article is a, a real tug of war between we've created monsters because we're addicted to their stuff and they are now using their power for expected purposes. 
I would classify, I'm a big critic of Google. I wouldn't classify them as monsters in a way, but now over, over to you, John. What did you reckon? Yeah, this is straight up union busting. This is the same thing as when yeah. Walmart uh, hears wind of people trying to start a union at one of the stores and then they fly in, they jet in specialists to come in and union bust. This is the same exact thing. Um, I think it's kind of disheartening too because how companies like this usually union bust is they divide the workers. Now, I've been a person who's been on a strike before a few times um, back in my previous life. And I can tell you that, that, you know, back in the day, people were dead serious about it. Um, they, would t- they would tell you, don't cross this line because if you do, we'll, you know, destroy your car and we will fuck you up. So <laughs> because it's their money. When you cross a, a, a union line or when people strike, man, there it's it's all about the workers working together. Now, what, going back to what you're saying, Uber drivers are, I would say that they're independent contractors because they can dictate their own schedule and they bring their own materials. The app is the only thing that connects them. With Google, it's different because they, like a lot of employers now, they use contractors as a means to um, skip over paying people benefits and as a means to basically get an employee without having to pay out any or or adhere to any of the rules of having an employee. Um, So there's a lot of like contractors that they use. Yeah, I think they're they're second tier. Yeah, Yeah, but that's what they're doing. The Uber and the the classical definition, I think think when it comes to Uber and some of these other companies – the, the classical definition is, yeah, you could be a subcontractor, but you can't, you can't be that person that's hiring you. cannot be your only client. You know, you've got to show as a subcontractor that you have multiple clients and multiple sources of income. You can't just work for Google. You just can't work for Uber and classify yourself as a subcontractor. That was the classical stance, I think, also in Britain and also in America. Am I correct about that, Spencer? No, you are not. correct about that. And, and no, no, you are not correct about that. Right. Um, that you have to have, I mean, that law had been in place, certainly in California already, that, that you know, you Here's were supposed to, to, to be a business with, with multiple clients to really be an independent contractor. Because if you're just working for one person all the time, then you're, and that's like, you know, at your only income. Um, that's not the factor. The factor multi, I mean, there's, in fairness, it's not black and white. So it's not like this way or that way, but it's not that factor. That factor is just one of several factors oh, in right. determining whether somebody is an independent contractor or an employee. And of the factors that are listed, the difficulty is that, unfortunately, one of them is not whether you are solely working for one company or not. Because, like an Uber driver, I could be a single dad, and the only time I have is to just drive an Uber. Just because I only do my part-time employment with one company doesn't make me into an employee. You see what I'm saying? Like, I wouldn't have time to work for six different places, but that's it's control, tools, where you work, how often yeah. you work. Yeah, I mean, they do they do they dictate where you work? Do they provide your your equipment? Do they dictate when you work? Do right. they? So there's you know there oh. there's a bunch of things like Adrian. That. Adrian's got something to say. Adrian, I do. 
Uh, and it's not whether it's not really to whether to harp on you know is Google an evil company or uh, is this like a bad practice or anything. However, it, it is more to do with the story itself. There are a few like critical details missing from this story. <laughs> surprise, that, surprise, surprise, surprise. <laughs> that you know could easily you you know it's easy to like buy into like a story. You read it and it's like a whole like personal anecdotal experience, and there's emotion and you feel for it. And you're like hell half no fury and 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 support and uh, what's the word I'm looking for. And, you know, all come together and kumbaya and whatnot. However, there's 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 not a whole lot of supporting evidence uh, that would ensure that this story is in fact actually credible. Um, and it's really easy to write an anecdotal story for something like this and uh, embellish the facts in order to make your case seem the more like on the moral high ground. Now that's not to say that what happened in the story is totally true. And the, by the did we discuss what the story actually was? Someone got fired for mm. you know informing yes. that their employees that they had rights and all of these things. That she was interrogated illegally, quote unquote, and all of these things. But there's there's little to no supporting evidence that that any of this yeah. Actually I mean, as, as I said, I wasn't there. You can't be sure this is the whole story, yeah, yeah. and it probably isn't. Um, but uh, you know. <laughs> Uh, on, on the other hand, we all find it credible based on other things that uh, that Google has done, and and this is one of those things where once, uh, you know, once a company gets known for a certain type of behavior, then other allegations of that behavior, whether they are specifically correct or not, uh, become very. But believable. it's really easy to once a company has already done something to say something else that may or may not be credible and have it appear credible. Yes, people with, will start with, to, to believe negative things about you, whether or not they're true. Exactly. So, I, you know, pinch of salt, right? When it when it comes to stuff like this, pinch of salt. Yes, I, I mean, I, I I had the feeling reading it that you know there was probably something more there, and and maybe a, a, a you know some at least a technicality um, that meant that you know they felt they could safely uh, fire this person and not you know, not be successfully sued over it. Mm. On to the next one, I think. On to the next story. One time versus recurring payments for WordPress products. Let's start off, let's start with Vito. What did you think of this one, Vito? First of all, it was a really interesting uh, kind of read over there, short one, but um, this is actually something that I think uh, is not being talked about enough, um, especially because I, I came from being uh, like being an agency, being a freelancer than an agency, then to a product. So now that I'm looking at it from the product side, I see a lot of things that didn't even occur to me when I was buying these products, you know, on a daily basis. Um uh, when you start, people are looking for the free. That's what I found. When you start, people are looking for the free. That's the that's your your enter to WordPress. Uh, then, as you start doing it professionally, you wanna you, you wanna have something that will work. <laughs> like after a year or so, you see things starting to break, and it's like, all right, I need something that is uh, more sustainable over time. Then you start going uh, to a theme forest and these kind of stuff. Then the next step is actually going directly to the people's website and making sure that their business is being sustainable for, uh, for the long run so that they can keep working with you, keep supporting the websites that you have for your clients. So these are like the three steps that I'm seeing, which means that there is place for each model along this process. And I would say that it's based on who is your target audience. 
as a, to, um, to determine what is the appropriate model for your own product. Uh, so if you're, st- if you're working with, uh, you know, like newbies or people that are DIYers, then that's cool. You know, you should have your free offering with some kind of an upgrade in there. Um, if you're just like, a, you know, it's like a small, nice to have add-on, fine, you do like, and it's not much support or stuff, fine, putting it on Theme Forest or something like this for this one time, then people need to manually kind of upgrade or buy more when they need support, then that's cool as well. Um, what I went to is I actually took both worlds of this model, uh, not only based on, on my target audience, but based on my position as a product. So when we first launched, we started with lifetime deals, uh, which was huge for us. Uh, it allowed us to generate, uh, uh, we actually, that was the, the, the title of the year for us. We made, uh, uh, we made history in WordPress being the first plugin by a new company to generate more than six figures in the first 30 days. A lot of this was, or most of it was thanks to the fact that we did uh, lifetime deals on the day of the launch. So we got a lot of money in that allowed me to uh, keep building the product, to keep uh, uh, building a team and uh, make sure that I have like my seed money that you need to run a business. Um, then once we got to a point where I had like six months back uh, of, of a cushion for our payroll and for this kind of stuff, we stopped uh, lifetime deals and now everything is recurring, building the next deal. So uh, that, uh, that model really worked nicely for us because we were never stressed at any part of the process getting to, well, we became profitable on literally day one. And then we had to re- rebuild this profitability uh, through recurring which took a few months, but uh, we had this cushion. So it wasn't any strain on the business. I could, you know, still do stuff, travel around, uh, support other, uh, you know, sponsor a WordCamp, sponsor podcasts, uh, and um, without any kind of like uh, harm to the business. So I think that this is the ideal model. You, you should look at this from two angles. First, who is your target audience, but also what are my personal goals and the projection of my business? Now and from now on, I can't see ourselves doing any lifetime deals if it's up to me, because now it's all about creating sustainability over time. Right. What do you reckon, Adrian? Uh, so the, I, you know, there, I, Vito said those, there's those three stages, you know, if you're like, especially if you're getting into WordPress for the first time, you're starting your blog, you're starting your business or whatever, you're going to look for the most cost-effective solutions for your business. So you're going to start off for free. Then you're going to move to stuff that's a little bit, you know, that costs something, but one-time fees, no recurring, you're not looking into the hundreds of dollars. And then you're eventually going to move on to working with companies that have their own websites, their own checkouts. Uh, They have recurring models. And if you're thinking about, if you're like a plugin business owner and you're looking at where do you want to fit into that market, there are a few things. Uh, number one, if you want to do one-time fees, then the thing that you have to realize is that in order to maintain a business and actually grow a business, you need the same, if not more customers every single year or every single month in order to maintain revenue because you will not be able to continually grow revenue year over year by getting less customers than the year before. With recurring revenue and like with a yearly recurring model, which is extremely popular, my business is recurring yearly. I think Vito's is recurring yearly. Uh, EDD, WooCommerce, they are all recurring yearly. And that's because- Yearly and monthly because we're doing both MRR and ARR. And so if you're 
if you have that, you can actually have you can actually bring on less customers year two than year one, but actually grow revenue overall, which is extremely interesting and one of the biggest benefits of actual recurring revenue. So that's one of the things that you have to think about. Are you going to are you as a business person or are you as a developer or are you as a product designer going to be able to sustain the amount of effort uh, to grow your uh, customer base essentially two hundred percent every single year in order to maintain and actually grow that business? If you can think you can do that, great. If not, recurring because you don't have to. You can actually grow it ten percent year over year and still end up growing your business, unlike doing one time payments. That's fantastic. I think we're going to go for our break and when we come back, I've got another selection of stories. And I've also got a great panel. We'll be back in a few moments, folks. Are you a WordPress consultant, designer, or small digital agency owner? Then you need WP Tonic as your trusted white-label developer partner for your next big e-learning or WooCommerce project. WP Tonic has the knowledge to help you build out custom functionality that your clients need in LearnDash, Lifter LMS, and WooCommerce. WP Tonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with a full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Find out how WP Tonic's white-label services can help your agency today. Go to wp-tonic.com's homepage and book a free consultation with Jonathan. That's wp-tonic, just like the podcast. We're coming back. I think we've had a good discussion. It's the last show of 2019. We're going to be taking a break. Before we go into the other stories, I want to mention one of my other great sponsors, and that's Lifter LMS. If you're looking to build a, a great sustainable course-based business and you want to use WordPress or your developer designer building uh, a course website for a client, I think Lifter LMS is a great solution for you. Um, it has all the bells and whistles, a great um, development support team. It's been in the marketplace for the past three to four years. They're constantly improving the product. So if that sounds interesting, I would go over to Lifter LMS, have a look what they've got offer. They've got a free product which isn't that crippled, you can use it. And they've got a host of reasonably priced add-ons that increases the functionality or a a bundle where you get all the add-ons in one discounted price. So they've got a lot of options. So go over to Lifter LMS and tell them that you heard about them on the WP Tonic website. So on to the next story. Oh God, yeah. this is it's end of the year, but these 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 themes have been um, popping up all through the year. Um, Uber will pay four point four million to settle federal probe into sexual harassment and retaliation. Uh, so Duncan, start- you have something against Uber, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but they, keep, they, 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 keep, they keep getting these stories, though, don't they? I, know yes, well, I, th- I think this is the same story, that it's taken it's taken this long to reach the settlement. Um, well, the last year, you know, you know they've, got the, they've got the London problem, and then they've got another problem, and they've got this freaking problem. What do you reckon, Uncle Spencer? <laughs> is this company... Is this company just going to be a continuous bad story, you know? No, the founder is cashed in, and he's out of here starting this. something else with his billion dollars. And uh, him and uh, the guy from WeWork are laughing all the way to the bank. 
and they can buy their way out of anything as long mm-hmm. as as long as he doesn't pull a Jeffrey Epstein and threaten any people more powerful than him, he's safe because that's how the world works. Hello. You can do anything you want to the people below you mm. as long as you have enough money and the right friends, but don't screw yes. with the people above you. Hello. That's it. Problem solved. This is a boring story. I don't know why you added it, quite frankly. I mean, this is r- ridiculous to be even talking about because who cares? There's a hundred other stories like this. They're all the same level of like, who cares? I say we move on to the next story. All right. We go, Uncle Spencer's, uh, we go on to the next story then. Uh, re- <laughs> I mean, really, it's like, like, do, do any of us care that they're paying money? We know they did bad stuff. It's how much they pay. I feel bad for Felicity Huffman because she and her husband honestly wanted the best for their kids. They paid a dude to help them get into college. Oh, you got to be, be kidding, aren't you? I'm just <laughs> saying, as a, compa- hold on, as a comparative, look at the difference between Lori Laughlin and Felicity Huffman. They both did something egregiously wrong, which is based upon their level of wealth and power and who they knew. They got caught. Felicity Huffman, to her credit, owned up, played it the right way. Whereas Lori Laughlin and her husband are going to get hammered. They're going to do some hard time on the rock. But Felicity Huffman's just quietly doing her time, and she'll be probably reintegrated into Hollywood society. I'm saying, look at corporate world. The wrongdoings and malfeasances and the ruined and destroyed lives are an infinite list. And yet none of them, none of them ever get held accountable. Ta-da. That's my point. Yeah, I kind of watched a film. I think it's called Dark Waters. It's about um, um, basically Teflon and how you point it's basically poisoned the whole world. And in a Pacific part of America, they poisoned over 30,000 people. And they've coughed up a load of money, but not one of the directors of that business has been prosecuted. Right. Um, and, you know, in, in any normal situation, they would be facing prosecution. So I do agree to you. Look at Tom Monahan. He said, I think he said the N-word, right? The Domino's founder, or maybe he was the Papa John guy. Sorry, I keep getting mixed up. It's the Papa yeah. John guy. And, and this clown is back, like trying to talk about how, the, the company needs them. It's like, go the F away. Uh, yeah. Take your money the, the, and the, go the, away. Right? That Papa, Papa John's guy, isn't he, he's he's like one of these Trump guys, right? Yeah. He's the right So, so of course like he said the, the N-word. Right, the of course he line. said the N-word, Spencer. I mean, I seen that interview, it looked like he had the cocaine sweats. <laughs> just, just the, you know, like the sheer magnitude of the disillusionment that happens when you get to that level of corporate life and so forth. It, that It's so dissociated from, you live in a world of other human beings. So, I mean, whatever, I talked about the story. I just thought this story was sort of like, ho-hum, take a number. But, no, but I think, well, I think, I think they, you know, hey, uh, the good news is that they're paying something out, and and apparently that's like the settlement for the government. The settlement million, for the, uh, the settlement for the people are, is is separate, but I mean, four million, like really. Yes, I mean Come it's it, yes, it is. You know, it's like the fine that, like that Facebook like, paid in Europe, or uh, you know, about privacy. It's sort of like, yeah, well, we can afford to pay that every year and just not you know do anything. It, it's like, uh, but I suppose if you're one of the people who suffered, getting you know getting some money is better than getting nothing. I want to tell you a story that applies to how corporate 
life works because this is when I did go to law school back then. Very famous case involving the automobile industry, right? That changed the way corporations do the analysis, but it reveals the dark secret. There was a, a car, I think it was in the 60s, that would you would just tap the bumper and it would just yeah. blow up, okay? Yeah. And the family that died this horrendous death in this fireball sued. When the discovery came out, it was what, learned. What supposes it was their surviving relatives who sued? It was, the, it was a four. I can't think of the name of the car for the moment. But the point it is. Fold. It was Ford. It was Ford. The point is, it was revealed that Ford had done an analysis. How much it would cost to pay out all the people that died in a fireball versus fixing the problem. And they had just decided to go with the fireball. And that was the thing that happens all the time. All Unlike, the time. say, Domino's that decided to fight the uh, accessibility lawsuit when it would have been much cheaper to make the website accessible. That, that, you got to understand, like, they care about one thing, getting themselves up the ladder, getting paid because the shareholders keep them in the job. They're satisfying only shareholders. So it's just like one of those things where let them eat cake. I mean, when the people themselves wake up, which none of us can seem to agree, things change. But until people at the lower mm. level have a consensus and come at them with pitchforks, they'll just keep doing whatever they can get away with. Yeah, that's. I, I, I take your point why it's a boring story. But the re, the main reason why I included it, Spencer, was this. It's like a drip drip on the same spot. And in the end, the hole breaks out and the water just pours all over the place. And I just wondered how many drips it's going to take until people do wake up. Because it's, it's a consistent theme in 2019, isn't it? So on to the next story. Um, risks and rewards at Black Friday for WordPress products. What did you think of this one, Adrian? So I personally poured in a significant amount of time into preparing for our first Black Friday ever. Uh, our first Black Friday sale. Uh, assets, we reached out to at least 100 various different blogs, syndicates, whatever. The ones that, you know, it was like top 15 WordPress Black Friday deals, etc. right? And they generate traffic and they're going to send. So we reached out to at least 100 of those got maybe a 15 to 20% response rate back of which that's pretty good near 90% actually. of those that's people pretty, actually that's pretty, ended you must up have been happy. That's pretty good. I was it? pretty happy until actual Black Friday rolled around. Oh dear. <laughs> it was pretty lackluster if I'm going to be completely honest. The sales that we made during Black Friday are sales that we would have made anyway. That would have come in and they and the customers, you know, got lucky because those customers who came in anyway got an, a nice sweet deal of 25 to 15 to 25% over that period. However, it was a significant amount of effort for not nearly the amount of return that I'm expecting. And this has been confirmed not only for my business, but I belong to a mastermind group of several other WordPress businesses that all also invested a significant amount of time into creating their Black Friday sales. And results may vary, but it seems to be a lack, it would seem to be a lackluster earnings periods across the board for at least the, the plugin developers that I'm familiar with. Uh, various reasons could be a part of this. Number one, every single WordPress plugin company ran a freaking Black Friday deal. <laughs> <laughs> and there was just, there's so much to choose from. And I'm a smaller outfit at this point and don't nearly have the reach. I, don't for, I, I just want to put this to yeah. you. Um, because my own buying, I I had a small list of products that um, I had been watching, 
Um, and um, WP Feedback was one of them. Uh, um, I had a small list of um, products that um, I was on the fence about should I and I, should I buy it or shouldn't I? Um, and I made a list and I thought I would wait until Black Friday and see what kind of special offer. And if it's a if it's a really good one, I'm gonna I've decided I'm gonna pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. So well, so here's I'll, the thing about that. Like there's yeah. so there there's kind of like two schools of thought because we talked to this about with Brian from Kinsta. They don't do Black Friday deals. Right, because they know that the customers that they're going to get are going to come on board regardless of whether there's a there's a deal or not for their product. I'm not too sure. At least that's that. that's their philosophy. Now there are a certain group of people who will never buy anything if it's not on sale. That group of customers exists. They're out there, and they will only buy if they can get a deal. Now the question is whether you provide that deal in another way, shape, or form, or if you do it on Black Friday. Because if you set the precedent on Black Friday... I think maybe the question is whether you want that kind of customer. That's a, that's another question. Some people are okay with that kind of customer. Sometimes they turn out to be great customers. It's just some people are just hardwired to look for a deal. That's okay. You know, when, you know, I go, when I go to like certain places, I'm like, hey, listen, if I pay cash, what's the deal you're going to give me? Because they don't have to declare that in some places here in Canada. So... It, it, that's just kind of the thing. So the the way it's 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 hard to justify, especially with the amount of noise and the amount of plug-in companies and all that. If you're a smaller outfit, there may not need to be like at least a huge investment in time and effort like that I invested into creating a Black Friday deal for customers that would come on board anyway. If you're a larger outfit and you have the audience and you have the list and you know there is a, you you know that that group of people that needs a deal to buy exists and you want that business, then it absolutely makes sense. But those are metrics that you're going to need to know before you estimate the amount of effort and revenue that you're going to put into actually performing that Black Friday that Black Friday sale. Does yeah, that we, does that all make sense a little bit? Yeah, of course it does. Yeah. Yeah. So Sally. Um, I would uh, completely disagree oh, if I may. Oh, oh yeah, go for it, go for it, Vito. Because Vito, Vito was the other product developer, so let's yeah, well, uh, let's hear what his experience was. Yeah, I was telling you to put it over to him straight away, but I wanted to go on, Vito. Go yeah, on. go on, Sally. So, uh, we'll uh, have, right. Uh, well, it's. I mean, I, it's. I, I. You know, it was kind of interesting reading this, and I think it is a. You're taking a chance if if you're not already well known, and therefore, you know, a product that probably a lot of people want and they, you know, uh, they may be just waiting for a sale to kind of tip them over, um, then you can be putting in a lot of, a lot of, you can put be putting in more than your usual marketing effort to have people pay less than usual for the product. Sure. And that may, uh, that may not work out. It sounds like the, the folks interviewed in this article had a, a pretty wide range of experiences that for yeah. some people it's good, for some people it has not proven to be good. Yeah, and also I think you've got to take into account, Adrian, the, maybe the PR benefits. What I mean by PR, you know, getting your product mentioned on some mediums, on some websites, some mediums where it wouldn't, it would be harder because you're doing a special offer and the bit and the benefit backlinks and other benefits you might get. I don't know, it might be absolute trouble. What do you what do you reckon, Vito? So uh well, it was our first uh, Black Friday sale as well. Uh, first time that I'm running this kind of campaign. And I had the same experience as you're saying, Adrian, in terms of uh setting things up very, very time intensive, mm-hmm. uh reaching out to all of these kind of things. Um and uh a 
that actually for us, all of these uh, directories and listing it, that took the most amount of time. Out it was of a lot of time. We prepared. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you reach out and you create these uh, affiliate accounts. We didn't do a lot of uh, people asked us if we have a roundup list of our own. If we did, it would have been like three times more the time. Uh, same you conversations. Also need to yes. sign up to all of these hundreds of affiliate programs and all these things. Uh, so we just posted out. Um, it brought some sales, like this this channel, but it wasn't really um, compared to the amount of time invested into it. Uh, probably not uh, not really worth it. Um, I would say that now we have the list. So next year it's gonna be like a, a twenty twenty. Five to ten percent of the time that this round took, because we're just gonna send it all out. People already have their affiliate accounts, so it's gonna get a lot easier for the upcoming years. What I want to talk about are the other channels which actually worked. So what we did is we used uh, um, a, a, these platforms to drive some traffic into it, um, which worked to some degree. But uh, what worked even better is trying to create some partnerships with these people that have. So if you're doing a roundup list on your own website, it means that you have an audience or else you wouldn't be even bothered doing this kind of stuff. And if you have an audience, this means that you have a mailing list. If you have a mailing list, this means that we can actually sell rather than just throw a link on a, on a random website. Uh, so, uh, so that was our strategy. We tried to go on top of the list, try to do some kind of a partnership with the a, a audience owner, you know, quote unquote, uh, to try and promote uh, our tool specifically to his audience as a recommend, as a personal recommendation. Um, I think that a lot of people like Jonathan, so, and that worked. That worked really, really well uh, in terms of revenue. We had like the best month of the uh, of the year, uh, you know, in terms of uh, without doing any LTDs. Uh, by far, like, you know, we, we more than doubled our goal for the month. Um, but, but and, uh, so that, that's like, do these lists next year, Adrian, but I would say try and leverage them even a step further. And that is something, if we're going to the core of the marketing problems of the WordPress space, is that step further. No one is taking any steps further. They're just doing the same things that everyone else is doing again and again and again and again and again for years without even considering the consequences or what's, what actually is, is the return where when, like Andrew and you were saying, hundreds of other people are doing the same promotion at the same time. So um, I would say do what others are doing, but use that as a, be- as, as a stepping stone for something that is a little more creative and more interesting around this. I want to point out Give's campaign, uh, Give WP. They did an, a beautiful job with their Black Friday campaign uh, to, get, uh, to create urgency, to create uh, a personal connection um, where they had like a video where Matt was just saying, uh, you know, they, like, Matt did like his own video saying, uh, listen, guys, I don't have any time. Uh, so, um, I, I'm going to launch this Black Friday deal my partners don't know and you got to take it now or else it's going to be gone. Um, it's going to be my job if, if you guys don't get it because if they see that I posted this, it's going to be the end of me, you know? So go down there and then the founder, the other people come in and, Matt, what are you doing? He's like, no, nothing, nothing, you know? <laughs> so that was really, like, it was funny, it was personal and it worked. I, I'm sure he even said on this article that he did. Um, so yeah, just trying to think outside the box a little bit. 
support everything with remarketing. So that was really powerful as well. Um, we, we got the traffic through all of these different channels and through the fact that there is a buzz during Black Friday. Uh, uh, but we supported this with uh, remarketing ads on uh, Facebook, on YouTube, uh, on Instagram, and on Google, on the Google Ads Network. Uh, that actually allowed us to leverage our traffic. Um, you know, cart abandonment is huge in Black Friday because everyone is just checking if they put in, can find another deeper discount, which means that they got to your checkout screen, but probably then left to check out 15 other products. So uh, automations or, or, uh, or, you know, like uh, remarketing campaigns and, uh, and uh, email automations around the checkout page is really powerful. I would say that uh, Black Friday, uh, to, start, to wrap this, this up, uh, you can't really ignore this as a product maker. It's not, it's, it's not even a choice. Uh, it was forced upon us to be part of this uh, uh, party. Uh, and uh, to be honest, as a, as a customer, uh, even through the agency, I had a little Black Friday fund, Cyber Monday fund, yeah. uh, that I knew that I'm going to buy stuff. I'm going to go out, all out oh. shopping for things on Black Friday. This, my team also knew that before Black Friday, uh, um, there's going to be loads of discussions on, about courses that, they wanna buy, that we want to buy that for them for the year, uh, things that we want to systemize better, tools that we were maybe using to some capacity throughout the year, but uh, now, but didn't want to commit and now it's the time. Uh, so um, yeah, definitely put some money aside for this. Uh, and um, uh, yeah, it's a win-win situation for all of, for everyone from my experience. I'm definitely going to do it next year. I already know how we're going to do it a lot better even. All right. I don't agree that the, that product owners don't have a choice that they have to do Black Friday. I think that's, I, I don't, I don't think that's a necessity for product developers, especially if you have a certain kind of product. For example, if, if you are the premium kind of product within your niche, you need not invest in a Black Friday sale because you know that eventually people are going to end up graduating to your product. And that's true, but you want to make sales. then there's not eventually, really much sense. You know, eventually is great, but you don't, like my mom says, you don't go to the grocery shop with the eventually. <laughs> uh, so so let's, get them, let's get them to come in now and then, uh, and then experience the product. The people that will come later are people that these guys will be recommending. So, um, so like, I, I understand it didn't really pan out as, uh, we, we did some promotions that really tanked. Uh, but, uh, but like from my experience, I, I would say that you, you probably, there probably was some kind of a miscommunication or you probably missed something because there, there is a proof that uh, during this time of year, um, you know, people spend crazy amounts of, uh, of money compared There's no to question other about time. that. So yeah. it's just a matter of if it's gonna be you or someone else. That's the point. Um, uh, yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna let. I just want to put this to Uncle Spencer to wrap this up. Um, that is right, um, Uncle Spencer. Um, it, what you know, you, iThemes comes to mind. You know, they they used to have continuous discounts. It got to the stage where. You, you never knew what you were going to be charged with iThemes because they were always freaking discounting 30, 50, 70 percent. Like it was a it was a real mess. I consider it. And then you have like other people like Gravity Forms that I don't think they ever hardly ever have. They did they did do a Black Friday offer yeah. this year, but it's yeah sales are are a, a rare thing, and it might, rare have, thing. it might have been the first time. I don't I don't remember because it's only for new customers and you know. Right. And, 
but you've got other people that for don't. Years, so. Yeah, yeah. So Uncle Spencer, um, is it? Does it just depend on the product, or uh, um, because there seems to be a wide spectrum of different morphologies, different companies go down different paths, don't they? Um, I have a good experience with this. I mean, historically. Pricing definitely depends on the product, the business strategy, and so forth. A couple key takeaways. I, I heard you guys talking about this, which I agree with some and maybe disagree with others. First of all, freemium is dead. It used to be that people used freemium as a way to get customers, but the, the whole early 2000s proved that to be a dead end. Just like if I opened up a hot dog stand in Chicago and said, free hot dogs, I would end up going out of business in a week because freemium will never get anybody to pay for anything, ever. Like giving away the milk for free, mom always tells you is not a good way to find a spouse. Okay, next is that sales are appropriate, but I think sales work when they're different from your main product. So for example, whatever your product pricing may be, having a Black Friday sale if you choose to do it, Vito alleged, uh, alluded to an example of it. The gimmick, that's very Russell Brunson-like or Billy Mays or one of those guys. The gimmick of like, oh my God, this is infotainment. And the reason I'm doing this is because you made me laugh and smile and it's a gimmick. And it's like, Shh, don't tell anybody, this isn't really what we do here kind of thing. Like, that's brilliant. That's something along the lines of the guys that did the Dollar Shave Club or the, the poopy spot, squatty potty and all those great advertisers, uh, advertisers who figured out how to make people feel good. And they just want to give you the money because it's like, you guys, high five. The part about the actual business, though, um, personally, worse than freemium is a lifetime deal. Now, Vito qualified his by saying he did it as a way to get seed money. High five for that. I remember speaking to Vito when he first started out, and that's the only excuse that anybody can have anymore. Because anybody who does a lifetime deal, like the first comment, doesn't understand how it works. Because you have a lifetime of people thinking you owe them something. Mm. As far as the no, 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 hold it! Don't, mm. don't, don't do this to me because I'm going to come back like my mom with a finger. If you give somebody a lifetime deal, you have signed your own death warrant because they will pay you once and they will bug you for. Nah, I, don't, I, don't agree. I um, I no, absolutely uh, agree with this. There's, there is I, no I question. I think in many cases that's. What's true, and that is true, and that's why so many companies that used to do a one-time thing have have moved on. But you know, I mean, the the cost in producing software is support, and in some cases, yeah. I remember hearing Pippin Williamson and and Brad Tuinard talking about this when they had their podcast. Um, that uh, you know, uh, Brad's company, Delicious Brains, that makes developer tools. You know, he said they don't get that many support requests because of the type of people their product yeah, is for. Exactly. But if you have a sort of consumer-oriented yeah. product, you are going to have a ton of support to yeah. do, and you have got to have income to to cover exactly. the cost so, of that. Thank you, thank, thanks for saying that, Sally, because that was my own point. Because like Adam Craft, you know, from WP Crafted, Cartflow, he's no mug um, far from it, and but he did a lifetime deal. Um, which I, I actually bought into because I use Cartflow quite a bit. And I was surprised he was offering uh, a lifetime deal 
on his site, but I took it up. It was, you know, it was a one time, he probably wants the money to help him buy, you know, get his new home furnished. Uh, but I don't know. But he, um, he spoke to that, by the way, they had to fix the mistake he made. So if you listen to his video on, they screwed up their pricing and he admits to it. And then they had to fix it because yeah. people backlash, but there's maybe three takeaways from all this. So aside from those general premises, number one is, it's all about the psychology. It's not about your product. In today's world with software, if you go in the WordPress world versus fixing people's problems, if your focus is on WordPress people versus, I don't know what the hell WordPress is, I just need this done, you will find the Tiffany box situation. You buy the diamond ring at Walmart, it's $50. The same thing in a blue box is $50,000 because of where people are shopping and what they expect. Number two is always see what people will pay. Always test the top limit. That's been proven by Nathan Berry and other people in our space by, if you think $29 is the most, charge 58 or charge 100. And if you backlash, change it down. Number three is always protect the people who early adopt it. So the way you can save your bacon, it's a simple formula. You charge what you charge coming out of the box while you tell people, I'm going to be changing this, moving on up. Adrian knows about this, but this is something I do routinely. I'm doing it now with launch list. It's something that you guys are going to get in the future. But if you jump on now, you're still going to keep paying me when? Once a year or once a month. Not for a lifetime, but you will have to keep paying me. If you get in early, you preserve your status at that price. But everybody else who gets in later will pay more and more over time until it reaches the place where it's going to be. And that has the double benefit of everybody winning because people get in early, can stay with you. If they cancel, they got to start over at the higher price. You get recurring revenue, but you have the flexibility of continuing getting paid. It's just a sliding scale. And the people who get in later pay more. But typically, there's more value because you got more stuff. The product's yeah. better. The service is better. That formula is etched in stone in my book. And I use it all the time. And my clients do because people are not stupid. If you have a product that solves a pain, they will pay you what the pain solution is. True. If you undercharge it, they become suspicious. Why the hell is this amazing thing only $29? What's wrong with it? There's lots um, of I can I can agree with this, but also I think that there is um, a, there is a maturity that is happening in our space uh, uh, recently to uh, be um, tr- starting to understand the things that you're that you're saying, Spencer. But uh, we also need to remember that we live in a world of developers, not marketers. So a lot of people that are selling products uh, don't really uh, think about this kind of stuff. And that's where the free model came. That's where the lifetime model came. These are just developers. I created something awesome. I want to share this with people. And uh, it's it's no one's fault. It's just that, that, that uh, uh, point of not seeing three, five years ahead and what's going to happen then. Um, I also think that, you know, while you have tools like, uh, you know, like I love Elementor, for example, but they're so cheap compared to the value that this tool brings, it positions the entire space in these kind of terms. uh, Because uh, no matter what, the the main tools will always set the trend uh, in every space, in every industry. Uh, So so that's a problem. But, uh, and I can also emphasize that uh, uh, now we have a we have a WordPress. We have a few WordPress plugins. One that people know about, and uh, we also have the cloud app. 
So we're managing a WordPress product and we're managing a SaaS kind of environment. Uh, WordPress is so much more support compared to having one environment that you're managing, that's it. Uh, which is kind of a paradox when you're looking into uh, how SaaS products are being priced compared to how WordPress products are being priced. Uh, knowing that WordPress has five to six times, five to seven times even more uh, support involved with them because every single client installs it on a completely foreign environment that needs to be uh, considered that needs to be adapted to. Uh, so, uh, so I, I'm, I'm, Somebody I'm trying asked me for help recently. I'm like, uh, nope, you got one of those horrible theme forest themes. Right. Not going there. Not yeah. going there. True. Uh, but, but you know, as a product, de- as a product developer, uh, and when someone reaches out and they have this horrible theme uh, that they found on one of these free directories from 2004, uh, then, uh, then you still need to help them because they're a customer, right? Well, that's the takeaway, the final thing, which you guys all refer to, but I'll use the dating metaphor here. If you go out on a date with somebody and they treat the waiter or waitress horribly, that is a preview how they will treat you. And the same thing is true with your customers. The worst customers are the ones that spend the least amount of money. Very true. If you want to relate to those customers, you will get what you're asking for versus seeking out customers who are willing to pay a exponentially larger amount of money who will treat you well. In fact, that's just always been a rule that the more they pay, the less you'll hear from them. I would add to this even saying that uh, it has, you're talking about the psychological aspect of this. Uh, this has to do with the amount of investment, a personal investment that someone made into something else. So when you're investing uh, five bucks or you got something for free, the amount of uh, work that you're willing to do to actually make it work is very, very minimal compared to if you invested $500 into a product that doesn't work, you're going to try and make it work. Yeah, yeah, sure. instead of just opting out straight away. So, so I think that, uh, in, you know, going back to our decision to do the LTD at the beginning, uh, one of these was because we knew that the product was not, uh, had bugs in, in it, you know, it wasn't tested in, with thousands of people as it is now. So it, ha- it had to be, uh, uh, the, we knew that there will be bugs and we knew that the people that will come on board at an early stage investing a lot of money, we sold it for $600, from like a, a, as an LTD on day one, uh, we knew that they will work with us to make it better because they invested so much money into it. So they want to see us succeed. And uh, that's exactly the type of people we attracted. We also tested one plan that lasted one month for $9 for one domain per month, you know, uh, just to see how does it work with the lower tier of uh, pricing. These were the worst customers. Most of them ended up canceling uh, because uh, they just installed it the first screen even wasn't what they envisioned it would be, and they didn't even go on to the to the additional steps just because their initial investment was literally nine bucks. Uh, you can't expect someone to uh, work for it, you know. So that's right. also something to think about. I think we'll wrap this up. Let's go on to our recommendations of the week, and I've got Leo Trotsky. Uh, um, not exactly a technical, but uh, I learned more from Leo about the human condition than any other person. Um, Say a man that you want to meet um, would be understatement. And um, there's a a webpage that says, um, I'm finding meaning in a meaningless world. It's a good synopsis of some of his writing. I'll make sure the link's in the show notes. And if you want to more about his views about philosophy of life, 
a confession and other religious writings. Um, I, it's a book that I've read multiple times and has influenced my own views quite considerably. And I'll make sure that link... I thought I would just have a kind of, kind of festive kind of philosophical kind of stance this week. Over to Spencer. Got any recommendations, Spencer? Yeah, I'm pricing it now. Um, if you are working... If you're working in WordPress, especially with specific plugins, like Heartflow, WooCommerce, and so forth, and you need to change a button or a certain piece of text, um, there's a technique in WordPress that's been around forever, but the kids on the block don't know about it, it seems, that there's a, a POT file. There's a translatable file for most anything. And whether you stay with your same language and just change some words or you change it to another language, there's a great plugin. I just, I don't know why I missed it before, called Loco Translate that makes this super easy to just go in. So if you're struggling and you don't want to do jQuery or snippets of PHP, you can just literally change any of the labels across your whole site in a plugin, in the child theme, in the parent theme. And uh, I did a quick free video about this, but it really, it's like, it's like I just taught people that there's text messaging or something. They just discovered it suddenly. And I'm thinking, where were you in 2008 when we, when we had to use a, you know, a chisel and a stone to do this kind of stuff? Because now you can just use local translate. That's great. Thanks for it. Make sure you all the, your recommendations, put them in the chat panel. It really does help me with the show notes. Um, John, have you got anything you want to recommend? Yes. Hold on. I, uh, there's a conference that's going down in Sacramento for mm -hmm. entrepreneurs and stuff. It's called the Yes. It's put on by the Yes Honey Collective. Oh, uh, I love the dive. I love the dive. Yeah. It's the 2020 uh, Vision Conference, so go check that out. That's going down on the 18th of January. Oh. So uh, get tickets by the second um, for the for the price that it's at right now. So oh, I might go down to that. You never know. Uh, um, Vito, have you got anything you want to recommend to the listeners and viewers? I do. Uh, actually, we were talking about lifetime deals and there is, um, ah, maybe it even ended like, literally a few minutes ago, but there was something pretty cool for uh, Body Boss. And, and this is just something that I really started looking into this week. Uh, if anyone uh, didn't hear of Body Boss, this is basically a fork of BodyPress. Uh, BodyPress is a platform within WordPress to allow you to create like uh, communities, social media, and all of these kind of stuff. Um, but it's um, really badly maintained. Uh, uh, there's uh, like uh, hundreds of plugins that uh, integrate into it, but each one of them is by a different developer. So if you want to do something proper, you end up with a website with like 60 plugins. Uh, BodyBoss, uh, a couple of years ago, decided to fork it out and, uh, and create it properly. <laughs> so um, uh, I just had a look over their solution this week. A beautiful, beautiful interface, beautiful kind of like a, a place to do some stuff uh, together. Um, especially thinking about, uh, I know Jonathan that you're working a lot with course, course creators. Yeah. So they they have a pretty cool integration with uh, some LMSs that allow you to create a, a community for your students so they feel like in a classroom uh, and stuff like that. Uh, can I do quickly one more? Yeah, good. Off you. That was that was sick this week. Uh, so page builder cloud. I don't know if you guys heard of this. Um, so we were talking about, this just reminded me because we were talking about the themes earlier and what's going to happen uh, with the themes going away. So Page Builder Cloud is basically the ability, uh, gives you the ability to save templates of your, um, uh, uh, of 
uh, of pages that you created on various page builders so that you can pull them into different websites and they're all stored in a cloud. So let's say you have a prototype uh, a kit that you want to install on a website as soon as you start. Boom, it's in there uh, instantaneously. Uh, if you need uh, to jump stuff between different websites, it's perfect like this. So I think that this is where themes will be going to stuff like Page Builder Cloud and uh, uh, managing your instead of managing themes, you will be managing templates of page builders. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Can you make sure the links are in chat, please? Can you put them in chat for us? Um, Adrian, got anything you want to recommend? Yeah, uh, I recently, I should have done this a long time ago, but honestly, I just didn't I know it was one of those things that I never got around to, but I, I hooked up Google Analytics. I thought, you, I, thought you, I thought you were gonna say that I'm a great podcaster. And, you know. <laughs> that too. <laughs> that all right, recommendation number one is go go listen to our show from yesterday. We do a nice roundup of 2019 and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And and actionable insights for 2020. Um, but other than that, I hooked up Google Analytics on my site. Uh, using Monster Insights, and that was a pretty awesome experience to just go through. the The setup process is really efficient and and simple. And now I know uh, some interesting facts about my homepage that really need to be fixed. <laughs> Put the link into check. Can you, Adrian? Yeah. Uh, um, Sally, got anything you want to recommend to the listeners and viewers? Uh, I do. Like like Vito, I have have two things. One is a um, small and simple plugin called. Uh, Find my blocks, uh, which does exactly that. It it shows you, you know, all of the instances of Gutenberg blocks uh, on your site, which if you're somebody like me who's experimented with like, you know, 15 different block library plugins and wants to know if you couldn't get rid of one of them, it's it's good to find out. All right, what am I actually using and what am I not? Um, And also I want to give a shout out to the core editor uh, team because they're actually moving forward with something I asked for. which was a, a PDF preview block, uh, given that you know, the ability to show the uh, thumbnail image of PDF is already in WordPress core, um, that this is going to become a, uh, probably an option on the uh, file block to uh, show preview or an icon. Oh, that's fantastic. And thanks for the fantastic recommendations panel. Much better than mine, but I'm uh, very impressed. So, Uncle Spencer, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Uh, you can find me at WP Launchify. You can find me at WP Fusion. Uh, you'll find me all over the CartFlows inner circle or at LaunchFlows. I'm basically focused on those things, membership sites, marketing automation, anything to do with making that flow funnel thing work. So yeah. come hang out. And John, have you got, uh, oh, sorry, John, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Two ways. Come to my website, which is lockdownseo.com. Second way, go to YouTube and search hashtag lockdownseo, where you will see daily videos on SEO, 365 days of SEO. Fantastic. Vito, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Uh, So uh, either go to our website, wpfeedback.co, uh, yeah, and use the use the coupon code uh, which is WP Tonic Rocks. Um, also, you can f- join us, join our 
our Facebook community. We just reached 1,000 people today wow. uh, on our Facebook group. So uh, come and join us there, WP Feedback Community, uh, where you can see what other people are saying and what, every, what everything is happening. Also through there, you can find the design community where people share their own uh, designs with each other, get feedback on this, uh, improve as, as designers, and improve the QA process for their agencies. And I've got to say, I'm not just saying it because he's sponsoring the show. WP Feedback is an amazing product. Uh, um, Adrian, um, how can people find out more about you, what you're up to? Well, if you need some marketing automation tools, you want to start building your list, sending emails out to people, and really improving your follow-up and customer retention processes, then you can head on over to groundhog.io. That's groundhog spelled with two Gs, dot I-O. Another amazing product, actually. Um, really amazing. And oh, thank you so much for being my co-host in 2019. It's, it's been a blast, Adrian. It has indeed. Looking back forward to 2020. And um, Sally, um, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? You can find me at WPFangirl.com. Uh, if you are in the Bay Area, just look for the East Bay WordPress Meetup on meetup.com. And uh, I'm at Sally Getch on Twitter and uh, on Instagram where you will find my cats. And folks, we're taking a couple of weeks break. Um, well, there won't be a roundtable next week or the following week, but we'll be coming back strong in the beginning of 2020. I'd like to wish the panel the, a great Christmas and New Year. Thank you for your support. It's been a blast having you on the show. I think we've had some really fantastic discussions. I'd like to wish all our listeners and viewers a happy Christmas, not only for you, but your family and a prosperous New Year. And we'll see you in 2020. I'm amazed I've managed to reach reach it myself so i'm quite happy anyway we'll see you in the new year folks bye bye thanks for listening to the wp tonic podcast the podcast that gives you a dose of wordpress medicine twice a week 